Today is a good day. I get to say that every day. It's just, it's nice to be alive. It really is. God is good and I am still alive and I am grateful for that. But last week, if you were here, I had a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys did as well. Uh, if, if you haven't been here the last little bit, we just started talking about prayer. We're launching this year by putting God first and seeking him first for the first 21 days. We're doing a bunch of prayer and fasting as a church. And if you're a part of that, thank you. If you haven't been a part of that, you're welcome to join us. And if you think we're weird, that's okay. We love you anyways. But we are, we are taking the time to seek God first as we do this. And last week, as we started talking about prayer, we said that prayer is a matter of authority. That prayer is when we partner with God because he delegated authority to us so that we can see God's will done on earth. And it's a very, very powerful thing. And after we talked about it, we took some time to, to actually form pods and pray after service last week, which I thought was really cool, and I thought it went really well. And then I went and I got home and I actually got a text from one of my former students, Casey, and he's like, hey, thanks, and he encouraged me on the word, and then he goes, I, I got healed. And I'm like, well, tell me about it. And so four years ago, he had a snowboarding accident and broke his wrist. He's been in pain for the last four years. Two years ago, they did surgery, and they said, hey, there's a 60% chance this is going to work and going to help deal with the pain that you've been in, but there's a 40% chance it does nothing. He got the nothing. And, and he's been praying for this for a while, but he's been in pain. Anytime he'd kind of turn his wrist over, it would just hurt. And so he texts me, he goes, I came in and it was hurting. It was at a six or a seven. He said, when I left, at worst, it was at a two. And that's like when I had to like turn it and crank it. And then I turned the other one. It's like, well, if I crank that one, it kind of doesn't feel good either. But he, he's sitting here and goes, God moved and I was healed because people said they would partner with God and that they would pray for him. And it's awesome. So I got thinking and, and I got the honor to speak tonight. Pastor Jake was going to share and I was going to help kind of support him. And then his flight back didn't make it. And they apparently canceled like all the flights out of an airport that he was supposed to be connecting through. And his new route took him all around the country and should get him home about the time I finish. So I get to speak again. I'm excited. And I started thinking, going, okay, if, if we're going to partner with God, if we're going to pray, if we're going to be great people of prayer, what are some of the basics? What are some of the rules and foundational things that we need to have and we need to know to become this great person of prayer? And as I thought about it, I came up with number one, this is the absolute most important rule of prayer. If you ever want to be a great prayer warrior, you must do this. You cannot become a great person of prayer. You will never have a prayer answered if you do not first do this. But I think this is where more people get hung up than anywhere else. Are you ready for this deep, deep <laughs> truth? Some of you guys are catching that this is probably not very deep, but it's very, very important. Step number one, pray. And, a lot, and, and people laugh because it is kind of funny, but that is the number one place where people miss it, is they just don't pray. And they're like, well, I just didn't pray because, and they have all sorts of different reasons, but they, they don't pray. In fact, in James, he's listing off a bunch of these different issues and people are struggling. And then he sits here and he says, you have not because you ask not. And as he's talking about things, he, he pulls this out. And he goes, you literally, one of your issues is you do not pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing, but most of us have ceased to pray. And we don't seek God 
in this and we wonder why we don't see anything. As I got thinking about this, I have, I have four kids, and I will find a way to tell a story about one of them in almost any message, just so you know. So my son Titus is three years old, and he is learning how to pray. And it's fun, and we'll like sit down at the table, and we're like, all right, we're going to pray for the food. And Titus from the end, he'll be like, I want to pray. And I'm like, all right, go ahead and pray. And like, I'm ready for him to pray. And he's getting better at it, but for the longest time, he'll be like, what do I say? <laughs> what do I do? And you're like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And, and he'd go through this with me, and it would be very simple. And then he's starting to get a little bit more confident, and he'd do it on his own. And then we'd have somebody over, we'd have company, and he's all excited. We're like, all right, who wants to pray for the meal? I want to pray! And they're like, sweet. And then he'd like look over at Papa or somebody, and then he'd be like, I can do this. <laughs> and you're like, it's okay. It's, it's not actually a magic formula. This is not a spell. This is not abracadabra kapoof, and if you say kapam, it's going to blow up. Like, it's not, you're not going to mess it up by saying this wrong word. This is a very simple thing where you're going to talk to God, but he, when he doesn't feel confident, he wants to stop. And he doesn't want to pray. And as I begin to like laugh because it's cute, he's funny, he's three. But then I thought, you know, I think this is where a lot of us struggle. Is like Titus, we're not sure what to pray. We're not sure how. We're afraid we might do it wrong. And so instead of having a go, we do nothing. And we hear these stories about these great men and women of prayer. And we're like halfway inspired and halfway discouraged. Because we hear it and we're like, that's amazing! And then we look at ourselves and we're like, that doesn't fit! And like there's this like gap and we think what they're doing is awesome. And a lot of times we have this tendency, instead of being inspired and going, I'm going to do that, to go, they are awesome at prayer. Keep it up. Say one for me. And like, rather than, than joining them, we just feel like we couldn't do it and we just don't do anything. And the, that stops us from ever having a prayer answered. If you never pray, you will never have a prayer answered. Jesus, he, and when he's talking about prayer in Matthew 6, he says, when you pray, don't keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think that they're heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. And when he tells us this, he dispels a couple of myths. Number one, that you have to have a long, perfect, great-sounding prayer. He's like, these guys are praying because they think it has to sound perfect, and he goes, it doesn't. God already knows what you need, so don't worry about it. Number two, he says, your father. I have a dad. I like my dad. Hi, dad. He's back here somewhere. But when I go to my dad, I should be kind I should honor my dad. I should respect my dad. But do you realize I don't have like this formula before I can come to my dad? It's not like, hey, I have to come up and I have to say these like 15 things or my dad won't talk to me. If I, if I told you that, you'd be like, man, he's weird. But you know that's not the case. I go to him and I'm like, hey, dad. He's like, hey, what? And we talk. And if I need something, if, I've got, if I need wisdom, I'm like, hey, this is what's going on. How do I handle this? And I, I talk to him with honor. I talk to him with respect. But I don't have to have a magic formula. And it, it is important. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. It is a great way to go to God, to go to him first in praise and remember who he is. I have, a, I have 
I told you I have kids and I will add them into to everything. There's times they'll talk to me wrong and they'll be sitting there at the table, get me a water! And I'll just look at them and go, is that how you talk to your dad? May I have a water, please? <laughs> That's better. And we'll grab what they're learning. And we go to God and we, we go to God with respect. But we often think that it's this, this deep, crazy thing. And you'll talk to some people or you'll hear them pray. And you're like, did you just transform? Because they're, they're sitting here and they're talking to you normal. And then they're like, I'm going to pray. Dearest heavenly fatherest, thou art so holiest. And I, it's like, he speaks normal English. You do know that too, right? Like, he created the languages. He can handle all of them. And you don't have to change into a different language for him to understand you praying. And we often get this hung up on it being so difficult, but we just need to pray. And as I was thinking about this, one of the things that stood out to me is a lot of times we look at prayer through all of our hangups. Do I want to pray? How confident am I in my prayer? Do you know that God actually wants you to pray more than you do? That God wants to spend time with you? That God wants a relationship with you? That the Bible tells us that when he has his way, when things are the way that God wants them to be, in Revelation chapter 21, that he will be with man, they will be with him, he will be their God, and they will be his people. Four times in one verse, he stresses and emphasizes the relationship between God and us because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to spend time with us in prayer. So absolutely, number one, to be an amazing prayer, person of prayer, you need to pray. Okay. Number two, make a time. Um, a lot, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I don't have time to pray, and I would like to inform you. Nobody does. You don't have time for anything. At least not most Americans, you don't. You make time for what matters. And I remember I had a conversation with, with Neil Glazier uh, uh, a long time ago. It's just after I started in ministry, and he's got 20-some years on me, and he started just kind of actually pouring into me, which was really awesome. And I looked at him, and I begin, the more I get to know him, the more I'm like, okay, he's a, he was the president of a co large company. He was on the board for a, min a ministry that was impacting the world. He started volunteering in the youth where I was at. He was involved in his kids' schools. He was on the school board. He did sports with his kids. He was constantly reading. He had, like, I'd go over to his house, and he'd be like, bust out a couple different boxes. He's like, you, do you have this book yet? You need this book, and you need this book. And, and I'm, I'm going through this, and he's beginning to list all these different things, and I'm talking to him, and I'm like, oh, then you're part of this group, and you're part of this thing for your kids, and you're part of this ministry, and this other person said, you know, hey, they were part of this small group with you. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, are you sure he has the same number of hours in a day that I do? Because I don't get half of that done, and I feel like I'm busy, and I don't understand, and I learned that he didn't actually have more time than me. He just used it better. He just made some choices on what was important, and he made sure that they fit in. Because as I begin to think about this, I realized that a lot of people want to pray. They don't not pray because they woke up one day and were like, today, I will not pray. Today, I defy God, and I will do it on my own, and I don't want him to have no part of my day. There are some people that are that unintelligent to try to rid their life of God, but most people aren't in that boat. Most people aren't trying. In fact, most Christians 
would like to pray. They say, I would like to pray. I should pray. But they wake up in the morning and their alarm goes off. They're mad at their alarm. Then they have to get in the shower and they're like, who am I? What am I doing here? And then they get out and they're like, oh, now I got to go to work. I better hurry up and get breakfast. Now I get the kids are up. And then as soon as you get the kids up, everything goes crazy. You're like, okay, now the eggs are burning. This one's on the potty. And this one wants to go potty. Well, that one's going potty. And then they're throwing things. And you're like, what are they throwing? It's gross. And it just gets crazy. And I say that there's things that are screaming for their attention. And if you have kids, they literally are screaming for your attention. And things are crazy. Then you race off to work and then you, you come back and then it's help wife with dinner and help wife with the kids while she's trying to cook dinner so someone doesn't. Anyways, it's this, this craziness that you guys are familiar with. And then all of a sudden you find yourself getting into bed. And you're like, wow, that went fast. And if you didn't make time, you look down and you go, did I pray? You're like, no, no, I don't think I did. And you say one of those like really old prayers like, dear Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. My, my soul, I pray you keep. And, and you go through something maybe or you just go, wow, that was a long day. And you're out. Some of you guys count sheep. I'm telling you, if you have trouble sleeping, just lay there and pray. The devil will not interrupt your sleep any longer. <laughs> it is like the cure for insomnia. I, but a lot of times we're struggling because we don't make time to pray. And it's not that we didn't want to pray, but when we finally did get a moment of free time from all that was going on, you have a thousand things begging for your free time, for your attention, for your entertainment, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Netflix, Amazon Prime, you name it. And if you have cable, they've got like 3,000 channels or something ridiculous. There will always be something that you can do. But if you say, I want to become a person of prayer, one of the things that you'll have to do is pray. And if you want to pray, one of the things you're going to have to do is set aside the time. And you can decide today, tomorrow, I'm going to pray. Tonight, I'm going to pray. Tomorrow, on my way to work, I'm not going to turn on the radio. And instead, I'm going to use the whole drive to pray. And every time that I forget that I'm praying in the car, because I did this before, and if you have a very long drive, you get used to using the radio, and you start in the car, I'm going to pray. And you pray for, like, really long, like 60 seconds. And then you get distracted, and you're like, it's a squirrel! And then you like, go to turn on the radio, and you're like, no, I'm praying. And you're like, pray, pray, pray. And you forget what you're doing again. You're like, no, I'm going to pray. And like, it was like my constant reminder, like refocuser, pray, pray. And like, because there was just this habit of like, my car is quiet. Why is my car quiet? I'm going to turn on the, no, I'm going to pray. Pray. Try it. And for some of you guys, you're like, no, that's, that, that's, I want more than that. Some of you guys are like, I, I, I have a 60-second drive to work. You're like, well, get up, pray in the shower, set aside some time and go, okay, I'm going to pray. Or you know what? I'm just going to set aside this much time tomorrow morning and I'm going to pray. Some of you guys are like, I want to dive in deep. Tomorrow morning, 6.30, cross that hall, 4.67, there'll be some people who love Jesus that are in there praying and you can join them from 6.30 to 7.30. Tomorrow night, they'll be in there again, 6.30 to 7.30. And you're welcome to come and join them for prayer. But set aside some time. You decide. And it doesn't have to be six hours. You're not going to be like, I'm going to start praying. And it, Okay, a lot of people try that. They're like the person who's really out of shape, who decides they're going to get in shape, who hasn't worked out in like a decade, and they're like, or 30, and they, you know, 30 years, and they get back and they're like, I'm going to do that workout that I did back in high school. And they like, they go for it, and then they're puking, and then they're like, I'm never going back to the gym in my life. A lot of people do that with prayer too. They're like, I have never prayed, but I'm going to sit here for 60 minutes and I'm going to pray. How about start with two? Like, why don't we just start? 
Because if you try to overdo it, then you can be like that out-of-shape person who tried to do their in-shape workout from years ago who then hated it because they did more than they could handle. Just start and say, God, hi, I'm here, and I love you, and thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. God, thank you for giving me life. And thank you that I live in a country where I can worship you and not get persecuted for it and not get put in jail because I'm serving you. And if someone mocks me at, at, at work or somewhere, someone gives me a hard time at my family reunion, God, thank you that I can stand up for you and that I know you and that you love me. God, use me today. You'd be amazed if, if you will just pray that simple prayer. Say, God, I want to be your hands and feet today. Will you use me? Just be ready because God will ask you to do something and then you have to do it. Like, it's just like catch 22. A lot of people are like, I'm ready to pray it. And then God's like, hey, can you talk to that person? And they're like, they might think I'm weird. So what? Have a go, but pray and then get ready for God to answer you. And now I want to spend a bit of time on this last one. This is, this is my point that's probably not quite as obvious. It's not too shocking that if you want to be a great prayer warrior, you have to pray, but it's where most people mess it up. And if you want to become a person of prayer, you're going to have to set aside time. You're going to have to decide ahead of time and you're going to have to pray. But number three, if you want to become a person of powerful prayer, pray a promise. See, the Bible tells us to pray in faith. And it talks about faith over and over again. In fact, Jesus says this. He says, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken and thrown to the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. And so I read that. I'm like, sweet. I want to see cool things happen. I really do. And then I get excited. And then I look at this other one. And it's like, 1 John 5, 14 says, and this is, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And this is where most of us like disconnect. We go, great, that's awesome. What's his will? And then we, we just kind of stop. And then we pray what we want. And we just pray like Santa. We're like, hey, this would be nice. I'd like this. Could you give me this for Christmas? And maybe a little one of these. And can you throw in a hippopotamus? And like, you throw in all of these just like random things that you're, you're praying for and you have no promise. You don't actually think God's going to answer, but you're like, oh, maybe it'll work. Maybe Santa will deliver it. Because you're, you're praying based on hope. But when we, God gave us his will when he gave us his word. When, my, when I tell my kids, it's time to go, go put on your socks. That's actually like a 15-minute ordeal, but go put on your socks. Do they have to wonder what dad wants? Is it a mystery what my will is? Go put on your socks, please, for the fifth time. Okay, it's pretty simple. If I ask you, go put on your socks, it's because dad's will is go put on your socks. Well, God laid out his will just as I laid mine out when I speak my words, God laid his out in his word. And when he says, go lay your hands on the sick and they will recover, it's because he wants you to go lay your hands on the sick so that they can recover. When he tells you what to pray, it's because he wants to answer it. And when we get in there and we're like, okay, this is what God says, then no longer do I pray like I'm, like I'm just praying or asking Santa for something. I can pray with confidence. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, the difference between faith and hope is this. Hope 
is based on desire and a slight possibility. So you can have hope that you're going to get a raise just because you'd like more money. You can have hope for a lot of things based on nothing more than you would like it. You overhear something and you're like, well, maybe, and it could be, so you hope. But you can't hold on to that because it has absolutely no basis. But when you have faith, there is a promise, and you can do things based on the promise. You do a lot of things out of, out of faith. You might not know it. I'm messing someone's stuff up, okay? See this chair? This chair is making a promise. Did you know that? That you right now are all operating in faith? You sat down on a chair because this chair promised something. It said, I will hold you. And because I trust it, trust it, I blindly, I sit on it. I'm not sitting here going, I think it's going to hold. I've done that to things before because you look at it and you go, that one's not making much of a promise. <laughs> and you wonder and you're like, all right, all right. But it makes a promise. And in the natural, when you have a promise, then you can trust it. Then you do things. See, a lot of you guys, how many of you guys shopped online for Christmas this year? Anyone shop online for Christmas? The rest of you, God bless you. You kept some stores in business. But the, when you do that, you're looking at somebody who's going to make a promise. And you pay them, not because you have something in your hand, but because you trust their promise. And when you do that, <clears throat> this is a natural faith. They gave you a promise, and so you acted on, on the promise, and then you gave them some funds. And if you did it through, like, Amazon, then you hopefully get a tracking number that comes to your, your email next. It says, hey, here, they're going to ship it. Here's the tracking number. Here is the further promise that you will receive the item that you paid for. And you go, yay, I'm done Christmas shopping. And you're like, well, you don't have anything. Well, I do have something. It just hasn't arrived yet. Because you got a promise, and based on the promise, you confidently can lay a hold of the thing that hasn't even showed up at your house yet. Okay? This is a natural faith simply based on the promise of somebody on Amazon. But when you have hope, you hope doesn't yet have the promise. And so it can't hold on to it. If you were to go out and you guys wouldn't buy a lot of ticket because the lottos are making money. So obviously more people lose than win and you are smart. But let's say you just found a lotto ticket and you were like, oh, I found a lotto ticket. Hmm. Most of you would find a lotto ticket and the first thought is, I hope it wins, right? Now you may look into it and go, does it win? If it doesn't win, you're not going to be that upset. You're going to be like, oh, well, hmm. It was worth checking. Throw it away. But you hoped it would win. When it didn't seem to win, you were like, whatever. But if you got home and you looked things up and you were like, I just found a winning ticket. I just won $10 million. All of a sudden, things are going to change. Now that you have a winning ticket and you have a promise, you're going to be like, what do I do to cash this thing in? And you're going to be excited. And they're going to be like, 
Um, we're not open right now. You're like, well, how do I find out? And who do I contact? And you are going to lay into this thing because you have a promise. And this thing now, as a winning ticket, promised a payout. Not, I hope I might possibly win, but I am holding something that's making a promise, and therefore I am going to pursue it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to drive downtown or to wherever I got to go. I'm going to wait in line. I'm going to show them my ticket, and I'm going to get my money. Or they're going to try to tell me that I'm going to get my money over the next 30 years in small payments, whatever. But I'm going to pursue it because I have a promise rather than just a hope. Are you tracking with me? When you pray, if you have no promise, if you simply have a desire, when you don't see the answer to your prayer, you're going to let it go. You're going to be like, well, that was worth a shot. But if you have a promise, all of a sudden things change. When you have a promise, you can hold on in the gap. See, faith gets you across the gap. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, says Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So you have to have a promise in order to have faith. In order to make it through a gap, you have to have faith. And you say, what is the gap? The gap is the time between the prayer and the answer. Sometimes the gap is very, very small. Sometimes the gap is larger than you would like it to be. But faith is what gets you through that gap. As I was beginning to look in my Bible, I begin to see this. I want to look at some of Jesus' instructions. I want to look at a few Bible stories. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says, keep on asking and you'll receive. What you ask for, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I had always just read, ask, seek, knock. And I read this in this translation, and I, I went to check it out. And in my full life study Bible, it says the Greek verb designates continued action. The NASB, which is a, a bit tighter of a translation, it's, it has a note in it that says, it's keep asking, keep knocking. And I began to think about how we pray and how often that's not the way we pray. I, I looked at Elijah and there, there's a lot of cool stories on Elijah. I might share more than one of them. But one of the, these, he's on top of a mountain, and God had said that he, the, it wouldn't rain without his say. He said it wouldn't rain. It hasn't rained in three years. He goes, and he's like, it's going to rain. And he prays. It's on top of this mountain. God's just done a bunch of really cool stuff, and it's a really cool story, and you can read it. It's in 1 Kings chapter 18. Enjoy it later. But... He's up there and he prays that, that it would rain. And he takes, says this to his servant, hey, go over, peek over the mountain and tell me if you see a cloud. And his servant runs up, comes back, bluest sky you ever did see. He prays again, sends his servant back. What'd you see? Blue sky as far as I could see. All right, prays again, sends him back. What'd you see? Blue skies. All right, prays again. How many of you guys would give up? Be like, oh man, that, I thought it was gonna work. I prayed three times, four times, five times, six times. Seven times he prays. Sends them each time. And the servant's got to be like, why am I doing this? Seventh time he comes back, he's like, there's an itsy bitsy cloud. It's the size of a man's hand. Like, this little cloud. It's a baby cloud. Sorry, it was my baby voice. It's just a baby cloud. And when he does this, the, the prophet's like, sweet. Tell King Ahab to race 
back to, um, back to the, the kingdom because he's going to get overcome by rain. And I looked at this and I'm like, so he prays seven times before he sees the answer. I'm like, wait, so that's kind of weird. That's kind of crazy. And then I begin to look around at some of these other times. In fact, Elisha, he goes, and he, he has this really cool, crazy story. And you can find this story yourself if you want to read it in 2 Kings chapter 4. But he has this encounter with this lady, and she has wanted a kid. And he says, you know what, God? He prays. She gets pregnant. She has a kid at his word. A couple years later, kid dies. Not the gift you wanted from God. Like, she's like, you gave me a kid to take him away. This isn't right. And he's like, no, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And so he hands his staff to his servant. He says, run, go put it on the dead boy. And he runs, and he runs, and he runs, and he runs, and he goes and puts it on the dead boy. And you know what happens? Nothing. And so Elisha doesn't go, crud. I thought it was going to work. I thought God was going to bring him back from the dead. He just goes, okay. And he heads to the house, gets to the house, goes up in the room, and he's like, hmm, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I'm going to pray for him. And lays on the dead boy. Okay, you have to have a lot of faith to lay on a dead person, okay? And you have to have more faith to lay on a dead kid. Like, this is, this is weird. And he lays on the kid. He just lays there, praying. Says the, the boy's body gets warm as he lays there. Like, that's weird. And then he gets up, and you know what happened? The boy was warm. Like, you laid on him. He turned, made him warm. Okay, that's weird. And he prays. And at this point, most of us would be like, okay, I gave a valiant effort to raise this kid from the dead, but apparently it doesn't want to work. But he just comes back and he's like, all right, let's do it again. Lays on the kid. And then the kid starts sneezing and then gets up. I'm like, God, you're awesome. And God, give me the boldness to stand on your word. Because if you don't have a word, if you don't have a promise, when the, when the stick doesn't work and when you lay on the boy the first time, you're like, I'm crazy. This doesn't work. And you give up. But over and over again, God gives words, and these words take, there's a gap. But it's when they stand in the gap that they see God do amazing things. In fact, another one with, uh, with Elisha, he has Naaman come to him, and Naaman says, you know, hey, Naaman, this guy's got leprosy, and he comes to the prophet, and the prophet goes, hey, you want to be healed? Go, actually, he sends his servant out. and says, go dip in the river Jordan seven times. And he just had an encounter with the prophet and what changed for him was absolutely nothing. And he goes to the river and he dips in the river. And you know what changed? Nothing. He dips in the river again and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and completely healed. And a lot of times we give up. A lot of times we let go because we, we just are praying based on a hope. But if we can get into God's word, and we can say, this is what God's word says. I'm going to stand on this, and I'm going to pray. And when I don't see anything, I'm going to pray again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Because God made a promise, and I'm going to stand on it, and God's going to fulfill his word. Then we see amazing things. I remember being in college, and I had a, a class on prayer, and they're like, you're going to take a prayer journal, and you're going to make it, and you're going to, you're going to, uh, 
journal your prayers every week throughout this whole class. And I begin to pray and I begin to go, you know what? My boss needs to meet Jesus. My boss doesn't know Jesus. And the Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to everlasting life. He wants everyone to come to the knowledge of him. And so I'm gonna pray for her because God doesn't want her to go to hell. And I don't want her to go to hell. So I'm gonna stand with him. I'm gonna stand on his word and I'm gonna pray for Andrea. And we're gonna pray. And I prayed. And what week one, I invited her to church and I tried to witness to her and she said no. And week two, I think she said that she would come and then her alternator broke. And then week three, her kids were sick. And then week four, it was grandma's birthday. And then week five, uh, I don't remember what their excuse was. And then week six, she had another excuse. And week seven, she came. I was trying to keep my week straight. One of the weeks she came and I was, it was the one week I wasn't going to be at church because my parents had flown into the country and I was up the coast with them. And I'm like, of all the times, but that's okay. I'd gotten like six other people hired there and I'm like, you guys look for her and you guys sit with her and she needs to meet my Jesus. And I, I came home and I'm like, did she meet Jesus? And they're like, no. I'm like, that's it. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I invite her again and she can't come the next week. I'm like, but she is gonna get saved. My Jesus wants her saved. I want her saved. I'm teaming up with him. We're praying. God's will is gonna be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm praying for her. And I prayed and I prayed and she said she's gonna come again. I'm like, all right, she's gonna come and we're not gonna let her slip through the cracks. We are gonna pray. I have a promise and no matter how long it takes, I'm going to stick with this. And we prayed, and I went around to my friends before she showed up. I said, Andrea's coming tonight, and you are going to pray. And when he gets close to that altar call, you be better be praying for her. And I told one to up to another one, you're going to pray, and you're going to pray, and you're going to pray. And I, I don't know how many people I got praying, but I got as many as I could find. And I was like, you are going to pray because she is coming tonight, and she is going to meet my Jesus. And so we, service gets, gets, comes to a close, and I'm sitting with her, and and Pastor Brian's up there and he does a great job and he gives a great message and he gives an altar call and I cheated. They're like, you know, hey, bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm all doing this. <laughs> I confess. And I, I've been praying for her. I'm so excited. <clears throat> and she doesn't raise her hand. And she doesn't respond. I'm like, this is not the way it's supposed to go. I'm like, God, you tell him, you tell Brian to ask the person next to you if they're right with God or if they need someone to go with you. And I had not like finished that prayer off of my mouth and I was kind of quiet because I'm sitting right next to her. But I had not like finished this prayer and, and Pastor Brian just looks and he goes, ask the person next to you if they need, if they want you to walk down with them. And I, I turned to her, I said, do you need to go down there? Do you want me to walk with you? And she didn't even answer me. She just took my hand and started walking for the front. And I'm like, woo Because God is faithful. And sometimes I don't see it in my timetable. But that doesn't mean I won't see it. But a lot of times we give up. There's a story where, I have so many stories. The Bible's full of fun stories. If you don't read it, you should. It's got cool stories in it. Which one to go to? Jesus. Good answer, right? Jesus. So, Jesus is perfect. And when I look at Jesus, oh, this, this story gives me hope because Jesus goes up and there's this guy, he gets brought to Jesus and he's blind. And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus prays for this guy. And when he does, he asks this guy, hey, can you see? And the guy goes, it looks like trees walking. Okay, well, that's better than seeing nothing. But if you look like a tree, there's a problem. And this is where a lot of us would go away going like, wow, why did, why did God halfway heal him? 
So strange. But Jesus says he doesn't do anything that he doesn't see the Father do. And he just goes, this, this is not what God wants. This is not God's will for you. God's will is that you'd be in health, even as your soul prospers. He, he just looks at him and he goes, all right, praise for him again. And then the guy goes, I can see! And I just looked, I'm like, wait a second. So there's sometimes that I'm praying something that's God's will and I don't see it right away, but Jesus, perfect Jesus, didn't see it the first time. So if he had to pray again, what should I do? Pray again. Latch onto this promise and go, I'm not giving up. What if I have to pray six times? What if I have to pray seven times? What if I'm not as cool as Elijah and I gotta pray a hundred times? Is it worth it? I mean, if you're praying for a Twix, maybe not, but if you're praying for something that matters, it is. And so I, I look at this and I go, wow. I can pray, and I can pray, and I can pray, and I can watch God move. There is a story in, in the book of Daniel. Daniel begins to pray in Daniel chapter 10, and when he begins to pray, he fasts, and he prays, and he fasts, and he prays. After three weeks, an angel shows up, which is pretty cool. I have never had an angel show up to me, and if you have, that's cool. I want to hear your story later, but He's been praying for three weeks and the angel shows up and the angel begins to speak to him. And the angel says, from the first moment you prayed, God sent me. And he goes into to why he got hung up for three weeks. But I just got thinking about it going, how many of us, how many times for the things that I have prayed for after three weeks would I still be praying? How many times would I have just let go and moved on? But see, if you're praying just because I hope something nice happens, you're going to let go. Unless you're just Superman, and God bless you. But if I'm just praying because I'd like it, I'm going to let go. But when I look, and I go, no, 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 check this out. Jesus made me a promise. He said to lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. He said that he, when he went around, that he cast out disease, he cast out demons, he healed every disease, and he said I would do what he did and greater things than these. He told me to, make, to offer the prayer of faith and that the prayer of faith would save, that would heal the sick person, that they would rise up, that they would be healed. So I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray. And if I don't see it this time, I'm gonna pray again. I'm gonna pray again and I'm gonna pray again and I'm gonna pray again because God's will hasn't changed. And if I stand on his promise, I can hold on to it and I can see God move and I can hold on because I have a promise. And I want you guys to become people who pray the promise, who can hold on to what God is saying. And when you hold on to what God is saying, you can see God's will come to pass on earth as it is in heaven. There is over 3,000 promises in God's word. I did not bring you all of them because that's a lot of promises. But we're going to do something here in just a minute. Last time we, we broke up into groups and we prayed and I gave you a bunch of different categories. We're going to do it a little bit different this time. In just a minute, I'm going to break you guys up into groups. We're going to try to do groups of five-ish again. If you weren't here last week, it's pretty simple. If you meet someone you didn't know and they don't, you don't like them, you're afraid of what they think, you never knew them before, it doesn't really matter. So we're going to break you up into a group of five and we're going to pray, but we're going to pray for each other. And I believe, I felt like God told me that there was, there was prayers that have died that there is things that you've given up on, that God wants to reignite, that God wants to rebirth hope, and he wants to give you a promise, he wants you to stand on them, and he wants you to pray again. When I talked to Casey, and he began to share his story, and I was talking to him again this morning, and he says, you know, I've been prayed for so many times, I felt like giving up, 
And when someone would offer to pray, I'd almost feel like turning them down because how many other people had prayed? And how, why would it be different this time? And why? And he, he talked about how, how hard it was sometimes to get over that and to go, no, I'm going to hold on to it. And why did it take 40 years? I don't know. But I know that God's will was for him to be healed. And I know that there's a word that you could stand on. And he stood on it, and last week he got healed. And God wants to do some things. There is some, in among, there's a lot of things that you guys, that, that in throughout the room that somebody has let go of, that God wants to bring hope. There is some children that are prodigals, that are lost, that God wants to see healed. That God wants to see restored. He wants to see them drawn back to him. And we're going to pray for them tonight. In, after you guys get into groups of five, I'm going to send an usher around with some sheets. With, I think I've got like eight different promises on it. They're some of the most common ones that people come up going, hey, God, I need prayer for healing, for wisdom, for provision, for sleep. I saw that we were dedicating kids. I'm like, we got to add one for sleep because you have those little kids, you pray for sleep. You also pray for wisdom and for direction. So those are on the list. Um, there's a separate sheet for those that are going to pray for the, for the lost. And if you're like, well, I have a need and it's not on here. You could ask Google, say God's promises about and type it in. It, they will help you sort through thousands upon thousands of promises. But before we do, there's a very, very important promise I want to touch on. God made a promise, and he said, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. If you do not have a relationship with God, God made a promise. He says, he stands at the door of your heart, and he knocks, and that if you will invite him in, he will come in, and he will be with you. He says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. And if you have not done that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that, to respond to his word and to take him up on his promise to you. Can everyone bow their heads and close your eyes? If you want to do that today and you want to make him your Lord, you want to call on him, you want to be forgiven, you want to know that you're right with God and on your way to heaven, when I count to three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand. So that's me. I want to make Jesus my Lord. Awesome. I see your hand and I see your hand and I see a couple hands over here. Who else says that's me? I need to make Jesus my Lord. Another one over here. Awesome. All right. This is a promise. He said, call on his name and you will be saved. And we're going to call him Lord, which means we're making him the boss. So I'm going to ask that you repeat after me. And if you've already done this before, go ahead and join me as we pray this. Say, God, thank you for loving me. I believe that you died and rose again. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Thank you for forgiving me. I make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.